Hey guys, guess what? It's me, talking at the beginning of an episode, and you know what that means. Shit's gone wrong. So, you probably remember from last week that we had some uh, technical difficulties after recording the 100th episode. We managed to make the audio work, but we need a little more time to get the edit just right. And because it is the 100th episode, it seems like it should get... You know, it's due attention. And uh, last week I had a family emergency that uh, kind of threw a wrench in the works. So this week we have another bonus episode for you um, to, to tide you over. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. This this was um, a, a pretty fun uh, Patreon bonus episode that we recorded uh, last spring, I believe. And it's about witches, which is always, which is always fun. <laughs> I see what I did there. Um, but yeah, so hopefully you enjoy it and uh, just know that the hundredth episode is coming. It will be out next week, come hell or high water. Um, and uh, hopefully you like it after all this time. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for hanging in there with us and enjoy this episode and we'll see you again for real uh, next week. I'm Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to your Square Mile of Murder 10-pound bonus episode. Uh, this month, we are continuing a little bit with uh, last month's theme of supernatural true crime. So today, uh, we decided that, you know, we obviously haven't offended our listeners from Ireland enough, if at all. I don't know if we've... I mean, we did very much gloss over the potato famine in the Victor Queen Victoria assassination episode. Yeah. Yeah, we did do that. So, well, it's just cuz we didn't have the time to go into it. The woman had eight assassination attempts. There was a lot to fit in. Yeah. So, we couldn't fit in the complex I was going to say the complexities of the potato famine. It wasn't complex. The English are assholes. <laughs> um, we now have to have the Union Jack flying on all state buildings. Ew, why? Because we're trying to be more like America. Ew, why? Because Boris loves Donald. Ew, why? <laughs> Just gonna keep going. It works for every situation. <laughs> no, that's about where I run out, because I don't know why. Nobody knows the answer to that one. Um, mm. But yeah, so, clearly need to offend some lovely Irish folk. Um, so we thought we would just hop over across the Irish Sea for this week's case, and uh, we're still sticking, though, with our spooky theme. And so today, we're going to talk about the case of Alice Kiteller. Uh, long before the Salem Witch Trials, there was the Witchfinder General, Matthew Hopkins, who was abusing and murdering women in southern England. And long before him, there was Alice Kiteller, the first woman in Ireland ever to be condemned for witchcraft. 
or at least the first recorded known yeah. woman to be condemned witchcraft. Uh, so let's go back to County Kilkenny in Southeast Ireland in the late 13th century. Alice Kiteseller was born in 1263. Yeah, we're going that far back today. So she was born in 1263 and she was the only daughter of uh, Flemish merchant parents. So a, a little a little background on the Flemish, if you will. The Flemish are a West Germanic ethnic group, which is not the same as West German. The West Germanic people are native to Northern Europe. So generally speaking, that includes parts of Germany, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Uh, the Flemish people are native to the Flanders region of Belgium. And in the 12th, 13th, and 14th centuries, there was significant migration from Flanders to the UK and Ireland following severe storms in what's now Belgium. Uh, the Flemish people were famous for being cloth weavers and fabric merchants during the Middle Ages, and Alice Kiteller's family were wealthy fabric merchants who settled in Kilkenny, which is south of Dublin. So that's like, well, in Belgium, you still see, um, like, Ghent is famous for their lace production, yeah, right? I think the whole of, but like, quite a few places in Belgium are still quite famous for, for lace. Yeah. Like, Belgian lace is a, a thing. thing. Lace and chocolate. Yeah. What more could you want? Like, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Alice's family were from Belgium. Well, Flanders. In Belgium. Which is a nice area. We don't really know much about her childhood, other than that her family had kind of settled about, we think, the decade before she was born. So as with all old cases, and this one especially, records are very sketchy and patchy and, you know, just not there sometimes. So we don't really know a lot about when her, exactly when her family settled there, or about her childhood. But what we do know is that Alice was really very unlucky in love. Yep. At, uh, in the year 1280, at the age of just 17, she married her first husband, William Outlaw. Cool name. Just love it so much. Yeah, he uh, was a native of Kilkenny. And sometimes he's listed as a banker and other times as a moneylender. Either way... He made them plenty of money uh, in the five years that they were married. They also had a son, William, who would eventually go on to be mayor of Kilkenny, and they had a daughter, Rose, who we know nothing about <laughs> because she was a woman. And it was 1200-something, so... Yeah. The marriage only lasted five years because in 1285, William Outlaw died leaving his widow a substantial amount of money in inheritance. And as with most moneylenders, and generally anyone who profits off of others' misery and misfortune, Alice and William were not popular with the locals, and this sentiment continued long after William's death. So, sadly, uh, although perhaps... Not surprisingly, given the time period, it seems that Alice and her story is mainly defined by the men in her life, um, and we don't actually know much about what she got up to in the 17 years following William's death, which is like 
a long time. <laughs> yeah. There's like, every source is like, oh, well, sometime before this date, this happened. And it's like, oh, that is a long time period yeah. before before she's mentioned in history again. That's like 17 years. What happened? What did she do? Yeah, exactly. She's just sitting still for 17 years, according to history. Gather a lot of dust. Yes. Um, so sometime before 1302, she married her second husband. But again, we don't know precisely when we are talking about more than 700 years ago which is a long ass time yeah so <laughs> you know stuff gets forgotten uh what we do know is that along with the sort of general dislike for her having inherited a lot of money from her moneylender husband locals in kilkenny also disliked alice because they believed that she possibly with the help of her second husband, poisoned her first husband. Ding, ding, ding. Old-time lady serial killer bingo. Got another, uh, a pre-Marianne Cotton, Marianne Cotton. Yeah. Um, but so is that implying that the second husband was just around for the 17 years? Well, that's the thing. It just says sometime before 1302. So it could have been like the day after so the first one died, or it could have been like yeah. 1301 January or December yeah. 31st. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so I presume that the other man was around yeah. when they married exactly is another thing. Well, we don't know. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so nobody could actually ever prove that you know, that su suspicion. So Alice and her second husband, Adam Blund, who was also a banker slash moneylender, they lived happily for a, a few years. Again, we don't know exactly how long this marriage lasted because of the previously mentioned sketchy 700-year-old records. But at some point before the year 1309, Adam Blund mysteriously died. And Alice was once again a rich widow. A richer widow. Yeah. We know that, uh, that Adam Blund died sometime before or during nine, uh, 1309. Because that was the year Alice married her third husband, Richard Duval. Unlike uh, deceased husbands one and two, husband number three was not a moneylender banker type. He was a landowner. So he clearly fit the criteria of being very wealthy, which Alice seems to like. And who could blame her? And also she's from like quite a high social station, so Yeah. It's she's just keeping it, you know keeping it in the class, keeping it in the right social classes. <laughs> Don't go philandering also, with the the great unwashed. Also like it's the Middle Ages. If if I'm given the opportunity to marry someone who has land or has exponential wealth i'm fucking doing it i don't care yeah like shit is rough right now yeah oh you have a castle yes you'll do yeah perfect let's sign me up what's that your food your food your food smells of almonds oh it, it's, it's, it's a coincidence i i can't think of anything that smells like almonds that isn't almonds it's actually very dangerous no 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 it's Fine. This this third union didn't last very long either. 
And sometime around 1316, husband number three shuffled his way off this mortal coil. Uh, But it wasn't as simple as it had been with the first two husbands. So most of us are familiar with a dowry, which is property or sum of uh, money paid to a man by his bride's family when they're married. But there's also such thing as a dower. Um, A dower is a sum of money which is paid to a woman if she is widowed. And the amount is agreed when the couple are married. And the money is supposedly held in a trust for the woman in case she's widowed. Now, we're not sure if there was a similar type of arrangement with the first two husbands in addition to the inheritance Alice received. But this dower from husband number three was difficult for Alice to get her hands on, and she ended up having to take legal proceedings against her stepson, Richard, in order to recover the money. Uh, Much like with her first husband, there were rumors that Alice had used poison to do away with Richard Duvall. But that didn't bother her, because soon after Richard's death, the new, very wealthy Dame Alice, she's actually referred to to as Dame Alice quite a lot, so... Uh, I don't know if that was like an honorary title or... It's probably a land title, right? I'm not sure. Just Because my pea brain did not think to research <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, so very wealthy Dame Alice moved on to husband number four. Husband number four was also a very rich man. Uh, he went by the name of Sir John Lepore. Mm. Uh, the two were married from 1316 to 1324 when John died following a short illness. And Alice, once again, received a substantial inheritance. And the now 61-year-old Alice might have continued on her merry way for the next few years, marrying wealthy men who just happened to suddenly die and leave her a nice inheritance. Had it not been for something husband number four said shortly before his death, Oh no. So when Sir John Lepore first fell ill shortly before he died, he told friends that he believed he was being poisoned, which, of course, would fit with the theories about Alice being a black widow who was going around poisoning all of her many husbands. So after his death, his children, along with the stepchildren from Alice's previous marriages, all got together And between them, they came to the conclusion that Alice had murdered all three of their fathers. Uh, There was, however, a bit of local chatter that Alice's stepchildren resented her, not only for allegedly killing their fathers, but because she neglected them in favor of her own children, William and Rose Outlaw. But it wasn't just poisoning that her former stepchildren accused Alice of. They also accused her of maleficarium, maleficarium? No clue. Maleficarium. When I was reading the script, I didn't even attempt to read the word in my head. I just skipped over it. So, To those of us in the 21st century, that is sorcery or witchcraft. It wasn't just Alice who they accused Mm. of dabbling in the dark arts. The stepchildren went to the local bishop of Ossory, which is like the local area. Well, Bishop of like the local area, kind of. It's like a, a district mm. he was Bishop of. Uh, his name was Richard de Ladrade, 
and they told him of Alice's alleged crimes. In his investigation, the bishop found that Alice was in fact the leader of a group of heretics. This lady was busy, wasn't she? I mean, seriously, we've got to get our act together. We are just here, just just chilling, you know, writing some scripts, recording them, chatting shit. Have a, I don't have a band of heretics. What am I yeah. doing with my life? Yeah, we're, we're going to have to start a band of heretics. <laughs> so heretics, for those who don't know, are people who are found to be practicing heresy. And heresy is defined as a belief or opinion, contrary to orthodox religious doctrines, especially Christian doctrine. Uh, in the modern day, where life is generally dictated less by religious rules, heresy is defined as an opinion profoundly at odds with what is generally accepted. Fair enough. But what we would have once thought of, you know, at one time you would just, like say like neo-Nazism, would be like heresy. Now it's borderline acceptable. Great. Is how fucked our society has become. Love it. I said I was going to behave this episode, didn't I? Yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> I got mad again. <laughs> so according to the book Irish Witchcraft and Demonology, Alice and her band of heretics were accused of a whole litany of crimes, including Maleficarium, or sorcery, or witchcraft, uh, poisoning, denying the faith of Christ and the Christian church, sure, uh, cutting up animals to sacrifice to demons. That one's a bummer. Holding secret nocturnal meetings in churches to perform black magic and undermine the church. That just sounds like fun. I was going to say, there's only one of these that I'm not down for, and that's the whole animal sacrifice. Uh, using sorcery and potions to control... Christians, or at least that's how it's paraphrased by Wikipedia. In the actual book, it says the group used powders, ointments, and candles made from fat and the entrails of cockerels, amongst other things. Yeah. Never in my life have I disliked a word more than ointment. Really? It's a horrible word. It doesn't bother me. Oint. So that sound like I think it's probably because as a child I couldn't say it, so I always said oink. Like a pig goes oink, like an uh, oinkment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oinkment. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I like that better. Uh, also accused of the possession of a familiar named Son of Art, a lesser demon of Satan. I mean, I have a familiar. Yeah, so. I do actually go. have a black cat. And the black cat I had, we had when I was a kid was called Satan. Oh, that well, cat then. is legendary. Like, everyone remembers that cat. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's still more. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the familiars wasn't the end of it. No, imagine that. They were also accused of the murder of husbands. And now, <laughs> we're not sure if this just pertains to Alice's husbands or husbands of some of her other fellow heretic women, you know? Could be either or, or both. Um, there are, however, a few things that we should point out about this situation. Uh, first, because there was no real law enforcement in the way that we think of, about it today. Uh, the rule of law was based very much on the religious doctrine, which is why the majority of these crimes Alice and her followers were accused of are related to religion 
and to disobeying Christ. Just our favorite thing to do. Literally, though. Don't you just love the way Christianity has got so twisted? From, yeah. like, being all about helping others. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Now you can't even use sorcery and ointments on people anymore. The other thing to mention, as it always is, anywhere in the English-speaking world that isn't actually England, is good old-fashioned colonialism. So the bishop heading up this investigation into Alice and her merry band of devil-worshipping husband-killing heretics was English. And he wasn't popular in Ireland. There's a whole other thing. He was very, very unpopular and there's a whole lot of shit to do with his tenure in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Alice's trial came just over 150 years after the English invaded and colonised large areas of Ireland. And so that was like 800, nearly 900 years ago. Mm -hmm. So when you put it into that perspective, it's quite fresh in people's minds. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Parts of large parts of Ireland were still free, but County Kilkenny just happened to be one of those the English got their hands on. Because we're horrible people. But just because the English were colonizing Ireland and religious doctrine pretty much dictated the rule of law, doesn't mean that it was actually an easy route for the bishop to have Alice Keitler convicted of not being a good Christian. Uh-huh. Because not all of Ireland had been colonized at this point, the English didn't have the power to impose their will however they wanted. There had to be a bit of cooperation between them and the already existing Irish justice system. So the bishop wrote to the Chancellor of Ireland and demanded that secular powers carry out the church's demands to arrest Alice and her followers. But uh, the Chancellor didn't give in to his demands. Um, instead, the Chancellor insisted that the accused must be excommunicated for 40 days before being arrested. So there was a 40-day delay in Alice and her followers being arrested, and during this 40-day delay, Alice managed to escape Ireland. Now is probably a good time to point out that the Chancellor was actually related to Alice. <laughs> he was her former brother-in-law. He was actually the brother of her first husband. Oh. The first one she was accused of killing. So, the fact that he's loyal to her, does that mean she actually was off in her husband's? Is there any doubt? Is it all an English conspiracy? Yeah, it is interesting, like, that it's the brother of the first husband is like, hey, get out of here, you got 40 days. But, like, yeah, uh, it seems like she was particularly fond of that first husband and her children from that marriage yeah so maybe it's just that like she she maybe didn't kill him but realized well i get a lot of money when they die yeah and also it's 700 years ago yeah the sources that we're reading today weren't written then no so there's a lot of and there's a lot of folklore that will be passed down the generations Also, people died a lot in the 1200s. (laughs) Yeah, I swear, if you just looked at, like, a poison berry, it would kill you sometimes. Exactly. So I'm not shocked, like, the fact that she didn't die, 
before reaching the age of 61 is a goddamn miracle. Yeah, that is quite incredible that she got to 61 back in them times. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think we're we're going about this all wrong. Of course they, of course all these dudes died. She's the more interesting one here. (laughs) Yeah. So it's possible that this family loyalty weighed more in his decision to arrest Alice than rebellion against English rule, but, you know, the Chancellor could have made his decision based on either. Yeah. Following Alice's disappearance, the Chancellor was accused by the Bishop of hiding heretics, but he was cleared of this in a later investigation, and it is believed that Alice fled to England. So later in 1324... The bishop himself was actually arrested and imprisoned for three weeks, although we're not sure what those charges were. Uh, Following his release, the heretics were arrested and charged with the following crimes. Committing heresy, sacrificing to demons. Um, We're not sure if that means sacrificing humans or sacrificing animals. Who knows? Uh, Communing with demons. Magically excommunicating. Uh, and usurping the church, <laughs> making love and hate potions to corrupt Christians. <laughs> yeah, I did copy this list from a source on the internet, and it is worded quite badly. And I couldn't think of a better way to. I was like going through it trying to word it better, and I was like making love potions and making hate potions, and either way, it just sounds stupid. I know. Also, like I've never heard of a hate potion before. Me neither. So, but yeah, they made hate potions and love potions. They were uh, well they, rounded. Yeah, they murdered Alice's husbands, and they engaged in a sexual affair with a demon. Oh, I mean that Dirt. doesn't sound that bad, really. Dirty demon time. I, I don't see how there's actually a problem with an affair with a demon. I mean, it sounds fun. Yeah, and and like uh, when. When he takes you home to meet his parents, it's like a tropical holiday because it's so hot in hell. That is true. I'd take that right now. It's, it's rainy and cold today. I'll mm-hmm. take a holiday in hell. But do they have cocktails in coconuts? Probably. Or like or in skulls. hollowed out pineapple. Mm. See, yeah. See, you're coming around to my way of thinking. A lot of Bloody Marys in hell. Uh, Alice was charged in absentia and we don't have an actual figure of the amount of heretics who who were arrested it's just they're just referred to as the group of heretics (laughs) Uh, what we do know is that this group included Alice's son William so my question also is like was just one of them engaging in a sexual affair with a demon or was it like an, a whole orgy situation? Like there's a lot of unanswered questions here. Maybe it was just a very insatiable demon. Maybe. And so they just passed it around. <laughs> oh God, this is, this is going off, off the rails a bit here. Do you think we're getting a bit too, uh, with it putting a bit too much thought into the sex life of demons? It's a possibility. You know? <laughs> a long standoff ensued between the heretics and the bishop because, you know, after all, there was no actual like evidence of their heresy or their so-called communicating with demons or even actually the murder of Alice's husbands. Uh, but 
One day, the bishop and his investigator decided to torture Petronilla de Meath until she confessed to witchcraft. Uh, Petronilla de Meath had been one of Alice's servants and was arrested as one of her heretics. Which, like, if you torture anyone, you're pretty much going to get what you want to hear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a well-known fact at this point. Torture does not work. People yeah. will say anything to make the pain stop. Exactly. Um, now, according to the Brooklyn Museum website, one of the things Petronilla confessed to under torture was applying an ointment to a wooden beam which allowed women to fly. I'm down for that. <laughs> well, this sounds like a... Uh, is this like the first... In, uh, enchanted broom type of situation. There's just well, there's it's just maybe. a beam. I don't know. It just said like they applied it to a beam and they could fly. It didn't say that they flew on the beam. Oh, see, so yeah, I was picturing <laughs> I was picturing like a big ass beam just flying around. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I don't know. We need more information. I, I think this sounds like a really fun group to hang out with. I do too. Like, I mean, murdering aside. Yeah, you know, like, I, what's the Billy Joel song? I'd rather laugh with the sinners than die with the saints. Yeah, I'm down with that. See? So much more fun. Um, Yeah, so they, yeah, she confessed to oiling up this beam, I guess. Um, <laughs> Now, while Alice Kiteller may have been the first woman in Ireland to be accused of witchcraft. Petronilla Demeath was the first to actually be convicted of and punished for witchcraft. After being tortured, Petronilla Demeath was forced to publicly proclaim that she, Alice, and the other heretics were guilty of witchcraft. Following this, in November 1324, Petronilla was flogged and then burned at the stake. The other heretics were publicly flogged, and the incident became known as the Kilkenny Witch Trials. Uh, William Outlaw was given a much more lenient sentence, because uh, he was of a much higher social station than Petronia and the other heretics. He was forced to attend Mass three times a day for a year. I mean, inconvenient, but better than flogging and death. Yeah. I think uh, Petronia de Meath was the only one who was was burned. The rest were flogged. So, I mean, it depends what you're into as to which punishment is worse. That's true. I mean, maybe flogging was part of their demon affair to begin with. Who Who knows, knows, really? I personally would choose the flogging over having to go to church three times a day. It depends how many times you have to be flogged. I mean, I have a very bad back. You know, one of those tails goes in the wrong direction, and it's just, nope. If it's just the one, I'm doing that instead of 365 times three of church. Like, I've never been to a church service ever. I don't intend to start now. Really? (laughs) Well, weddings. That's it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that happened, or possibly this other thing happened. 
there is another version of events, which are outlined on the website Historic Kilkenny. This version claims that Alice and the heretics were arrested and held in the dungeons of Kilkenny Castle before the Chancellor ruled that they must be excommunicated first, which allowed the group to be freed and Alice to escape sa- to safety with Petronilla's daughter, Basilia, and there are no known records of them anywhere after 1324. So, possibly that happened. Um, and that is the story of Alice Kiteller, uh, likely, possible, poisoner, and the first woman in Ireland to be accused of witchcraft. Was a wild ride. Really was. There was a, like, what, what can you say about that? I mean, misogyny. As always, Christianity, one in the same at this point. I just feel like Christians are so obsessed with witchcraft and pagan rituals that, like, I'm pretty sure they're the only ones who are as concerned about sacrificing and demons. Like, it just doesn't, it's not, it's not a thing. As much as they seem to think it's a thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit like the satanic panic of the 1980s. Yeah. Literally, almost 700 years later, they were still getting a tits and a twist about the exact same thing, and there was no evidence of it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I think, so I've always kind of been really fascinated with, like, the history of witchcraft and witch trials, because, like, I grew up in Massachusetts, I was born in Boston, which is right outside of Salem. Or say, how far is Salem from Boston? It's just north of the city. It's like twenty miles, maybe. Probably, probably not even that much. I mean, I haven't really looked at it on a map, and so I've never been to the East Coast. So, um, I kind we all have this image of Salem in our heads as still being that old witch trial place because that's how it's always been portrayed and it's never in the news for anything else is it no and so i never really thought about it until just now and i suddenly thought huh it is actually not that far from boston no it's not so i was just just interesting because obviously it's what 300 years since the witch trials yeah there was 1692 so yeah it's over 300 years since the witch trials obviously the town has modernized and it's like in the pretty much in the shadow of boston so yeah it's just a sub it's basically just a suburb of boston um but like so many of these places like much of the town's economy and tourism is based on tourism and and banking on this sort of historical (laughs) horrific historical moment but um yeah I remember one of my cousins a few years ago, him and his wife had gone to Boston, potentially for St. Paddy's Day, actually, which is interesting because we're not Irish. (laughs) Um, Everyone's Irish in Boston on St. Paddy's Day. True. You know, they posted something on Facebook about being in Boston, and one of them put up pictures of being in Salem. Yeah. And something to do with the witch trials. But yeah. Yeah. I haven't been much made the mistake of going through Salem on the train on Halloween. We got st- oh, stuck there that was fun. 
for like two hours because it was so crowded. So never doing that again. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think this stuff is really interesting. And of course it always just comes down to, well, somebody didn't quite fit in with the rules of quote unquote rules of society or the rules of the church. And well, that that's more, it's always, it's always to do with the church, yeah. not society in general. Well, because at the, you at the time these were happening, society was the church. Yeah, you weren't allowed to have any other interests except for the church. Yeah, and like, especially in, like, in, in the case of Salem or some of these early American witch trials, like, the churches were super duper corrupt. Oh, and yeah. And that's, like, part of that was part of the main driver behind all of this. Well, actually let's just divert the attention from us siphoning money out of this like colony that's already getting money siphoned out of it from a country across an ocean. And actually there's witches guys. Look at that. Go yeah. look over there. There's witches. <laughs> I think that it's interesting that this so-called band of heretics weren't all killed yeah that's really interesting like that's what i was expecting at the end of this story just sort of mass pyre situation i wonder if obviously they got the initial confession from Britannia to meath um under torture so i'm wondering if they kind of thought oh we'll we'll burn her and she'll confess to more yeah you know, to try and escape the fire and then nothing happened and she died. Maybe. And they're like, oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there were other, like, witchcraft trials like this before this, but not necessarily in Ireland, right? Mm. So I don't know if there was, like, already a tradition of, like, well, this is how you deal with witches, guys. You You burn them or, like... <sighs> All that kind of stuff, because it is interesting to think about that's, where these sort of ideas come from. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that, because I say it's the first one in Ireland. Obviously, information was not did not travel yeah. as easily as it does now. So there could have been witch trials in another country, somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know. Yeah. I'm just curious. It was maybe like trial and error, like, oh, well, we, we set this one on fire and it didn't confess anything, so we'll, we won't do that to the rest. Uh, yeah, and it's like, what is the, the famous one? The the ducking stool? Like, if you, if you submerge a witch in the river, if she floats, she's a witch, so you have to kill her. If she drowns, she's innocent. So either way, she's dead anyway. she dies. Yeah. So basically, either way, you just murdered a woman. Yeah. Basically. Okay, and I was just looking. So Joan of Arc is 100 years later, basically. So. Yeah, and even uh, even the, the Essex witch trials. So that was Matthew Hopkins, the witch finder general. That was, I believe, the century before the Salem witch trials. Yeah, so like 1500s. So that's still... yeah. A few hundred years, two, 200 years after this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting. Fascinating. 
And on that note... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good lord. Good lord, save us from the heretics of the world. No, I want to be a heretic. Yeah, same. Let's start our own heretic band. I'm pretty sure we're already... We're already there. <laughs> Let's be real. Okay. We are our own heretic band. Okay. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know. If you liked that, if you like us, <laughs> you should sign up for our monthly newsletter. Um, we talk about stuff there. It's basically like a roundup of the things that we're planning for the month or the things that we've done in the last month. I forget which. I don't know. I'm still in the planning phase. Okay. But yeah, it, um, yeah, it'll actually come out in a few days' time. Yeah. First Friday of the month. So sign up if you want to hear more from us. Yeah. And like, um, it's a good way to just sort of get a, a good digest of what we're up to or or what we're planning. Uh, so you could do that. There's There'll be a link in this post. Um, and yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back with a brand new episode in a few days time. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.